Good morning. Happy Sabbath. <laughs> I wish to pray before we start, so if you could please bow down your heads. Thank you. My Father, our Father, our Daddy in heaven, happy Sabbath to you. Thank you for this, your Sabbath day, dear Lord, and thank you for the privilege that you gave me to speak to my brothers and sisters. Hide, hide me, dear Lord, let me not be seen, but only Christ, because without him I can do nothing. Be with my hearers, dear Lord, speak to them as I speak. Please impress on their minds to remember me in prayer. And uh, thank you so much for answering my prayer, for I pray according to your will and in the name of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. going all out witnessing. Is that your heartbeat, doctor? Today, I wish to lift up high my savior and my redeemer. He is the only one that is worthy of all the praise. You probably are all familiar with the proverbial expression that the health uh, message is the right, constitutes the right arm of the gospel. It is the right arm that opens the door for the body of Christ, for the good news, for the gospel to enter in. It is at this juncture that amen has played a role in my life, as well as I pray that it will play a role in your lives as well. Amen, the mission of amen is to motivate, train and equip Seventh-day Adventist doctors and dentists to um, uh, take this commission to the entire world and to work in concert with fellow believers of like, of like uh, mind, with the church and with multiple ministries. Having said this, I wish to draw your attention to do you hear me? Okay, okay. To the commission, a power-infused commission that Christ uh, actually called us on to take. It's found in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe, not only here, but observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And here comes the promise, and lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Well, I have two pointers here that I'd like to bring to your attention. One, he said, Go ye. He did not say, try to go ye. I know you're going to be very busy, long hours. Um, you can't control your schedule. You get home late. Your mind is totally occupied with your business and your investments. And No. He said, go ye. With my help, all things are possible. I come first. Make it a priority. 
try it. Talk with me. I'm there for you. The second pointer is that he said, all power is given unto me. Go ye, and I'll be with you. Do you believe it? Spirit of Prophecy says in Christ's Object Lessons, page 331, listen to this, this really impressed me. As the will of man cooperates with the will of God, it becomes omnipotent. Wow. We have a commission that Christ gave us, but let's face it, if we are not really sold on this commission, why would we sell it to anyone else? Let's reason from cause to effect. The cause is the commission. It's a power-infused commission that the Lord gave us. The effect is to take it on and fulfill it. So who qualifies to take on this commission and fulfill it? In the next few minutes, I'll be going over um, a few characteristics of such a person that qualifies to take on this commission with all their hearts to fulfillment from cause to effect. After that, I will give you a couple examples of witnessing. The first um, characteristic of a heart-converted person is peace. Peace that passes understanding. Oh, sorry. I'm ahead of myself. We find this, the, the characteristic, the qualification for this commission in what Christ gave us in Luke 22, 31 to 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have thee, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So it takes actual conversion of heart. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, the, one of the, the first characteristic of a converted soul okay, is peace. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. So, doctor, do you sleep like a peace-filled baby at night, knowing that everything about you and your life is safe in his hands? Or does your pounding heart chase your sleep away because of worries of life? Peace I leave with you. Next, love. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Last Sunday, I was in emptying my, the grocery cart and putting the groceries into my car, she stopped me. Excuse me, can you spare some change? I looked her over. Mid-twenties, low-cut shirt, midriff exposed, belly sticking out, skin all covered with tattoos, cup of coffee in her hand. I looked down at my <coughs> grocery <clears throat> sorry, in my hand, and I said, um, and I put it in my car, and I came out. She was gone. Where'd she go? And I turned back, and she was talking to some people in the next row of cars. And immediately, 
Matthew 25, 40 came to my mind. Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it to one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. How, dear Lord, mercy. <laughs> and I started putting the rest of the groceries in the car. When I finished, I turned, she was gone. How, dear Lord, where is she? And I thought, I got to come, I've got to follow her. This girl needed help. She needed a kind word. She had a smile. She needed steps to Christ, which I have in my car to give her. She needed prayer. Where'd she go? Mercy, dear Lord, forgive me, please. And I got in my car, and I wanted to follow her. And I look, and that ponytail is waving, way in the distance. She's running to the bus station. I lost her. Mercy, Lord, I'm sorry. This is not me. I normally respond immediately to anyone in need. What happened? Please, dear Lord, send her someone that would take care of her. John 15, 17. These things I command you, that ye, ye love one another. And if you detect and you hear about an erring brother that's stumbling others, do you speak in love, admonishing him? Do you want his salvation? Do you want other people's salvation that are impacted by that person? Or do you just cover yourself with fig leaves and say, am I my brother's keeper? Don't wait, doctor. You may lose a life. Joy. <laughs> do you see the joy on those words? <laughs> John 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you. So, doctor, when, what, what impression comes to mind when your name is brought up? A happy Jesus Christ-like face or a sour face? A meek face? Are an arrogant face, humble face. Or arrogant face. What comes to mind when people say your name? What face comes to mind? Jesus can change your face and mine. Nature speaks to you. John 1, 3, all things were made by him. Matthew 6, consider the lilies of the field. Matthew 17, faith is a grain of a mustard seed. Matthew 10, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Jesus' parables were embellished with pictures of nature. He made it all. So has the little flower fragrant flower that's soon to turn into a delicious fruit, spoken to you of its creator? Has a chirping bird called unto you to join in a song of praise for him? Or do you hear a chirping bird? Your time with him. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 11, 28, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I recall 
uh, a few years ago. In G a GYC morning devotional speakers say, ask the Lord to raise you up in, to a higher level with him. As soon as I asked the Lord uh, to do that for me back home, immediately I started getting woken up at three or four in the morning with a strong impression on my, on my, uh, in my head, pray, pray, pray. And I find myself down on my face on a thin mattress covering myself and I pour my heart out to him and I pray for hours, the time goes so fast. I ask, I plead for his closeness and the feeling gets so overwhelming of his closeness that I wish the earth can open up and swallow me. And I'm in total bliss. Yeah. And if a couple days pass by without this closeness, I feel miserable and I'm down on my face again. I'm an extremely busy person, but I make time and I go on my face and I plead for his closeness. I pray there is so much to pray about in these days. And then I connect, and I'm again in bliss. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I cannot wait to see him. <laughs> Forgiveness. Matthew 9, 2. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you re removed our transgressions from us. So, doctor... Do you love to forgive with all of your heart, quickly, not holding anything back? Forgiveness of Jesus. Humility. Oh. Are you humble? Am I humble? Or do I love to tenaciously hang on to my pride, my arrogance? my self-dignity, the sin which I love so much. Remember heaven's light bearer, the bride, the proud Lucifer. <clears throat> what does Isaiah say that went on in his mind? I will ascend to heaven, I exalt my throne, I will sit on the mount of congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the height of the clouds, I will be like the most high. And what's the consequence? Who? <laughs> Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Compare that with the beautiful, humble Jesus. What does it say about him in Philippians 2, 5 to 10? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. He thought he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He, came, he became of no reputation. He took the form of, of a servant in the likeness of man. He humbled himself, became, uh, became obedient even to the death of the cross. And what's the consequence? Ooh, God highly exalted him. That to the name of Jesus, every name, every knee will bow. Sorry every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Humility of Jesus. James 4.10 says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And if I may add, up and up and up and up until you sit with him in his majestic throne as he has invited you and promised in Revelation 3.21. The humility of Jesus. Are you humble?
That might help. Treasures in heaven, Matthew 6, 21. For wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, doctor, have, there, have your roots been anchored so deeply in this earth that it, they will tenaciously hold on to you, that when Christ appears in the throne of glory, it will be impossible to lift up and meet him? Mercy. Treasures in heaven. Christ in your child's heart. Matthew 1914. But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. Jesus loves your children. So have you trained your children to, to prepare them to spend eternity with him? Do you pray for their salvation? And since we're going to be keeping Sabbath in heaven, are you preparing, teaching your children his way of keeping the Sabbath day holy? In your, with your example, as he commanded you? Imagine three scenarios. The first, Jesus comes in his glory, will the angels, and you are wake, woken up in the first resurrection, and you look around, your family's right there, and you hold on hands, and you're lifted up in joy, in great joy to meet the Lord in the air. Or if you got woken up, and it is the first resurrection, and you start getting lifted up, and you look around, where's my family? Or worse yet, if you wake up and it's the second resurrection, not of the righteous, you're not being lifted up. But this time, you don't miss your children because they're right there, standing faithfully, right by your side. Because you were, not, you were too busy to prepare them to meet the Lord in the air. Christ in your child's heart, do you pray for their salvation? Purity of heart. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, if you observe a certain behavior of someone, do you pick the worst interpretation possible to explain that behavior? Or does the pure heart that the Lord has cleaned up for you find a more kindly explanation to that behavior? Do you want to see God? Ask him for a pure heart. And the converse of this verse is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Dear Lord, give us all a pure heart. Amen. Praises to the Lord. Matthew 6, 13 says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, Jesus is our example. Do my lips well up always in lifting praises to my Lord, or do I flatter earthlings? One would take me up to heaven, the other may keep me down together with the ones I flatter because I've stumbled them with pride and maybe made them fall. Praises to the Lord. I used to do my, my uh, 
part of flattering. It's part of my Middle Eastern culture. <laughs> Until I read the word and the Lord showed me what God thought of it. And I stopped. <clears throat> now all my praises go to my Lord. Will you stand? Revelation 2.10 says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. A question came into my mind, and I asked the Lord while praying, Dear Lord, in the face of persecution and torture, will I stand? I want to stand, please. I want to stand. Immediately, he impressed me fast for a week. This is something that never came to my mind before. I said, okay, if that's what you want, I will do it. I'll fast for a week. No food, just water. The first two days went very well. The third day, my sugar started dropping, a bad migraine hit, which Toradol only took away for a few hours. <laughs> After that, I was headed to my Bible study, give my Bible study. And I claimed 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and it so worked, for his strength was made perfect in my weakness. The Bible study went stellar, and I praise his name for that. The fourth day, I woke up with legs that could not support me. <laughs> Wobbly, a vacuum sucked stomach, nausea, miserable feeling, could not go to work. So when I, go down, I went on my face, Heavenly Father, have mercy, Jesus. <laughs> um, I prayed, and then I asked for to borrow power, strength, to be able to go to work, you know? just like the paralytic of Bethesda. I felt that Jesus raised me, a surge of energy flooded me. I sprang to my feet and I went so fast getting ready, went to work. That surge of energy carried me through, not only that day, but to the following day as well. Friday and Sabbath morning, followed suit, woke up very weak, again asked for, for energy, and again he obliged. That Sabbath was I was the most energetic I've been in any Sabbath in my life. <laughs> At Sabbath evening, before I broke my fast, I went for a fast walk for exercise. <laughs> and I thanked him. And you know what? I thanked him for answering my prayer. Because I asked, will I stand? And he showed me when I need him, I ask. And he's there. And this is not just for me. It's for every one of you, my brothers and sisters. OK. So. <laughs> I wish I had hours to tell you my experiences, but I have only two that I will share with you today. The first, um, I'll talk about my nurse. She's a 28-year-old, Gladys, uh, Hispanic, married woman with a nine-year-old uh, only child. Um, when she first became my nurse, um, I received a lot of complaints about her. She was um, she gave smart aleck responses. She was lazy, did not help, did, did not want to even participate in anything. Um, and here comes a man's role. Oh, also, her child gave her a lot of trouble. He wouldn't do his chores, he wouldn't do his homework. And here came a man. I was inspired to pray with her every morning and to share some Bible messages with her. Also, oh, in the evening, she'd go home and share with her son these uh, messages. Also, every Monday, she looked forward to the home-cooked food, delicious, that I took to her, complete with salad and fruits and, and dessert, all vegan. 
I'm kind of a good cook, no? <laughs> forward to that. And you know what? Little by little, this life, this woman started changing. You should see her now. She works like she owns the clinic. <laughs> Amazing energy. I hear nothing but praises from patients about this excellent nurse of yours, this excellent nurse of yours. Whoa, praise the Lord. Her son, who gave her a hard time by his chores and, and homework, um, I taught her how to discipline him and she carried it through. This child right now is in a principal's honor roll. And not only this, but he goes to school and um, he, he admonishes other kids. If he sees them say a bad word to anyone, no, that's not nice. Don't speak like this. Jesus will be sad. I want to share with you another incident with her child that, and you'll see where I'm going with it. Saul uh, one day was witness to an incident that hurt another student's uh, feelings. That, that hurt student, his, his cousin was standing there pointing at him, talking to another student. Um, he still wets his bed. Saul was crushed. When the two guys walked away, he walked to this hurt child and he said, um, it, it's okay, it, it, don't feel bad. I also wet my bed sometimes. I thought, wow, he's willing to risk his reputation to mitigate the pain of this other child. And I asked Gladys, does he really uh, wet his bed? Yes, Dr. Tuma. How often? Almost every night. I recalled a piece of information I had come across uh, while uh, looking into dairy products and their side effects. It said something that seemed quite <laughs> too good to be true at the time. And it kinda, I kind of was hesitant to really take it in. Uh, it said, if you quit dairy products, bedwetting quits. It has something to do with leaky guts. Uh, the protein of a, of, a, of a dairy leaks through and goes through the bloodstream to the bladder. It coats it. The bladder walls, walls up like a, a, a bubble, and urine escapes the bladder. The child doesn't even feel it. At the time, I, I thought, oh, am I going to risk my reputation if this doesn't work? I went for it anyway, by faith. <laughs> I said, quit dairy products. He'll stop wetting his bed. Let's see what happened. The day that his grandma stopped, got finally convinced and stopped giving him dairy products, he quit bedwetting. Yeah. That, in, that in, increased my, my um, credibility. It, it, it um, confirmed my credibility with everything I teach my nurse. Plus, it turned a believer out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I praise the Lord for this changed life of my nurse and her child and her family. By the way, her family is also turned vegetarian. And with time, I will keep introducing more and more truth. I want to win this lady. Another story I would like to end up with is about my patient. This all started in 2006. She's a 41-year-old Caucasian. Um, who was addicted to cutting herself from the age of 13 due to the intense emotional trauma she's been through all her life. Um, first, um, well, she quit the uh, Bible studies by correspondence after two or three lessons. Uh, but then came September of 2006, I invited her to evangelistic series. And at the end, she gave her life to Christ. 
Her alcoholic husband expressed his displeasure in her new embrace belief by threatening her life with his firearms frequently. Her thin frame shook. She wavered, and I thank the Lord that he helped me as I brought her back to the faith. She's a woman of very few words, walks with her shoulders bent over, timid, uh, inconfident. I referred her to the Neil Nedley Depression Recovery uh, course. She attended it last April, and according to her words, it helped her tremendously. Well, after that came my scheduled trip to Ghana. Now, there's a story with Ghana. I had gone to Ghana in 2006 and uh, preached an evangelistic series and established a bond with the people. My family and myself sponsored a church there, and they built it, and they wanted me to go back. So they've been on my case for a while until finally I said, yes, I'm coming, and this was last year in June. So I told my patient, come with me to Ghana and run your own evangelistic series. <laughs> She kept saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, not me, uh-uh. I want to tell you also that every Sabbath, I forgot to, to mention this, every Sabbath for lunch, she spends lunch and early afternoon with me and my family. So she's actually considered just like family to me. Anyway, so after she read a book that was advertised, I believe, on the Hope Channel, The Radical Prayer, which was not actually what she expected, she said, Lord, okay, um, if Raja's going to ask me one more time, I'll say yes. That Sabbath, she came and I asked her, will you go to Ghana with me? Yes. <laughs> she said, I do not know what, what got into my head that I said yes. But she did. In Ghana, while in Ghana, she used to wake up like a zombie. She was on mind-altering uh, uh, medication because of her depression, her anxiety. I would pour my soul out to the Lord, praying, asking, weeping with the Lord, dear Lord, pack her place. Because she had said, if one person were to, be, were to be saved with her evangelistic series, she'd be shocked. If two, she'd be floored. Lord, fill the place for her and for me. And you know what? Praise the Lord. Between the two of us, 69 souls were saved. But get this. God gave her 38, and he gave me 31. <laughs> I wish in closing to read to you um, what part of her presentation, as I, um, I, missed, Bible I missed giving my Bible study in, in um, um, August as I went to Andrews for a week, so I asked her to replace me, and she, she asked if it's okay to, to relate her experience in Ghana. I said, absolutely. So, she did. Actually, when I read it, tears came to my eyes many times. She said, in the, in the end part of her presentation, this was the most amazing thing I have ever done in my entire life. What God did for me during this trip, no amount of money or treasure could ever amount to. I learned to be more prayerful, and in doing, and, and in, in uh, doing as I, um, and in so doing, I learned that how he answers prayer over and over again.
He taught me how by putting my trust in him, I would allow myself to trust other people and open up to them. I learned to depend on his word. He taught me patience throughout this trip. So this trip where I was going to teach other people turned out to be a trip from beginning, from start to finish, where I learned more than I could ever imagine. And she continues, it is our commission to go out and spread the gospel, the news of the gospel from one end of the earth to the other. And so I want to challenge each and every one of you to go out, do your part. Don't think for one minute you can't because that, that was me till I took that small step of faith and let God take control. If someone as quiet and as introverted as me, not with not many friends and has never spoken in public before, can do, get up there and do this, I am here to tell you that anyone can, whether it be in your own, in, in another country, in this country, with your own neighbors, your friends and family, anyone can step out in faith and do it. And God will be in control and he will change your life forever. Praise the Lord. I thank the Lord for this changed life. And you know what? Since then, I've missed another two Bible studies because of other obligations. She took over. She's done an excellent job. Now, she is looking into some courses for nursing. She wants to be an RN and praise and serve our Lord with that. Amen. Her respect has increased by her husband. Now we're working on her husband and her son to join the church. I want to close by saying, you have a commission. Grab it and go ye. And God bless you. <laughs>